So welcome, everyone. Can you hear me well? Yeah. Um, you might notice that there's a, it's there's a, there's m more life even tonight because on the sides there there's a lot of life, more life. So it's some of the staff who are coming to spend the evening with us is very touching. We really want to welcome you guys. Um, these guys work uh, really hard all year long to to make things like this happen things like this that are pretty uh, extraordinary things not uh, not easy to uh, create the conditions for for these kinds of things to happen so uh, so i brought my kleenex because <laughs> <laughs> i might be a little emotional tonight if anybody wants some you know where to find them um yeah so end of a year, you know, it's it's conventional. It's a kind of you were saying on the first night. You know, we kind of create this. It actually works for me. <laughs> <laughs> I really feel that there's an end of something, some something, <laughs> you know. Um, and um, So I'll just uh, speak the ideas that I have, the things I want to share with you. And I hope this is going to work. <laughs> um, so thoughts that I have in my head is that uh, it's very personal. Uh, is uh, I'm noticing that I've been teaching for a full year, a full year of teaching, and there's another one full coming. So this is the little point for me personally. It's like, oh, there's been a full year of teaching and there's another big year of teaching coming. Pascal. Why do you do that? What, what, do, you, what do you want? What, what do you want to say? What... It's important to check this, you know, as I'm about to start another year of uh, teaching. What, what is it that I want to say? What is my contribution to these retreats that I show up at, you know? And I actually, this afternoon, I, I, I thought, can you make it a sentence? Can you make it a sentence that could be helpful for you for the whole year? And so I wrote it down and I, I thought, well, I may as well share it. So if I, if I miss my point tonight, you'll know that, oh, this is what it was trying to attempt to do. <laughs> you'll be informed from the get-go. So one way to put it, the way to put it today for me, the essence of what I would like to share and create and is this idea that learning to take care of our aching and complex heart learning to take care of our aching and complex heart, we will learn to take care of our aching and complex world. So my understanding of the work we're doing here, this very delicate, 
heroic work is to learn to love and find peace in here. But that's not enough for me. I want us to bring this outside. I want the beauty that we create in here uh, be actualized, reflected outside. And so that's not an easy job, neither in one direction nor in the other, but in my heart as a Dharma teacher, this, maybe when I die, I would like to think, I worked at this, this is what I worked for. And so somebody in uh, one of the notes, the questions written on the board, asked a question, or actually I'm going to maybe paraphrase and kind of own the question. There was a question written, and the way it hit me, really like, mm, in the heart, the way I heard the question, so if it's your question, you might recognize <laughs> it or you might not. <laughs> but what I heard the question, the question or the inquiry was something like, it seemed coming from a very deep place and the question seemed to be, for me anyway, can our attention alter the world? Can our attention alter the world? This, there's enough juice for me for the next year, that's for sure, in this question. And my sense was, yes, yes, it can. Yes. And this is maybe what I'd like to look at a little bit with you tonight. And so I'll start with storytelling. There's a story that I seem to always end up telling when I come here to Spirit Rock. It's one of my favorite ones, so I'll be happy with it. <laughs> and <laughs> some of you might s be sitting here, some of you might be sitting there, like, oh yeah, I know that one. <laughs> well, that's, that's storytelling. It's the same story again. <laughs> Tell me, I want to hear that story, you know? I was doing this with one of my godson uh, the uh, other day, uh, and uh, actually, and I, I changed the story in a little bit, and I was told, you know, no. <laughs> That's not what the character says, you know, I'm like, oh, like I thought I could be a little creative and make it more, you know, and they're like, no, 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 the good story is the one where they say what they say, <laughs> and so there's this uh, story of uh, Rohitasa in the time of the Buddha, and this character is delightful, they, um, they have youth to them, I don't know what age they are, but they definitely have youth to them whatever age, physical age they have. They are very curious, have a lot of energy, they're enthusiastic, they make me think of uh, Puck in uh, Midsummer Night Dream. They're kind of, uh, they seem a little mischievous, playful. Uh, uh, they have a lot of good qualities for um, meditation practice, I find. You know? And so they have the chance to encounter the, the Buddha, 
you know why I say they? I say they because they don't. Here's another one who don't do the gender thing. <laughs> so I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, uh, if you would like me to say something else, but they because they are so alive with life and who they are, you know. And so they have the chance to meet the Buddha. Ima imagine you would have that chance to actually, uh, you know, being given a few minutes, say, your interview today, you're very fortunate, is not with Pascal. <laughs> 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 you have 12 minutes <laughs> <laughs> with the Buddha. <laughs> what would be your question? So Rohitasa comes to the Buddha and bows respectfully, knowing that uh, they have the chance to be speaking to an amazing teacher, and they might learn something. So they, so they, they say, there's something that I'm intrigued about. I'd like to know your opinion. And they say, is it possible by traveling to reach the end of the world? Is it possible by like physically traveling to reach the end of the world? And the Buddha says, mm, no, Rohitasa, it's not possible by traveling to reach the end of the world. And Rohitasa goes like, wow, amazing. Like, I ask you this, you know, like, is it possible by traveling to... And you say, no, Rohitasa. It's like so simple an answer. <laughs> like, this seems to be a complex question. And also, I'm asking because I put a lot of energy into this. I traveled and traveled like crazy, and I actually never reached the end of the world. Like, I actually traveled nonstop. Actually, let's be honest, I'm in front of a Dharma teacher. I should have a report that is honest, you know? So I actually stopped to defecate and urinate, to eat a little bit and to sleep. So you say, like, this person is really honest about their practice, you know? <laughs> but apart from this, I was just traveling and never reached the end of the world. And the Buddha said, yeah, that's right. I, you know, that matches my uh, understanding that by traveling, you can't reach the end of the world. But I also say, Rohitasa, and listen to this one, it's not possible to reach the end of suffering, of stress, of trouble, without reaching the end of the world. And the world, Rohitasa, the world, the beginning of the world, the end of the world, the ca cause of the world, is in this fathom-long body with its sensation, its perceptions, its cognition, the whole world is in here. And that's the teaching. And why do I like this story so much? Because we sit here with the world inside of us. Our making of the world, our making of the world where I don't belong, our making of a world where I'm the best, our making of a world where this and that, we make the world and we sit here and this is what we discover how the m world is made in a way inside of us how through my resentment and desire for vengeance I create a world that maybe I will also create outwardly that with the cultivation of a benevolence of uh, honesty of curiosity of connecting of staying when it's uh, not so comfy in there, of, of courage, 
in this way I develop a, w- a certain world in which I can be and that's the world I'm going to be offering also creating after so I don't know if you see the link between the question can attention alter reality it, in this way we could even we could almost think that yes in the way that I'm going to attend to this here is going to alter reality later I bring in another teaching that's been very pivotal for me. And I actually learned this just in the last couple of years. And so, uh, as Nikki was saying, I think there's lots of lists in the, the Buddha love list. Or maybe somebody after came after and reorganized the Buddha a little bit. <laughs> they say, <laughs> I'll have him make lists because he's a little disorganized, you know. <laughs> I don't know exactly. I mean, there was 2,600 years of, uh, of men taking care of stuff. <laughs> God knows what they can do. <laughs> and, so, um, and so there was one list that is extremely simple. It's a list of two, my kind of list. <laughs> Already at three, usually I forget, you know. There's another point, you know. But uh, at some point I heard somebody, one of the teachers in this community say, uh, what are the two causes for the arising of wisdom, of clear seeing? What are the two causes? When I heard that, like my mind so gathered together, like unification of mind, concentration, name it as you want, you know, like I was like, if you're here today, Pascal, that would be about the time to be really here. <laughs> you know, the two causes for clarity. I want that, you know. <laughs> and so they said the two causes for clarity, for wise understanding, for depth of seeing are... <laughs> suspense. <laughs> the two causes are wise attention... And the voice, or the wise voice, maybe you could think, the wise voice of another. Wow. I don't know if it, how it works for you to hear this, but for me, when I heard that, there was an instant recognition of the truth of that. I was like, it's true. So many wise things in my life were actually offered to me by a good friend, a wise friend, or a friend who was wise at that moment, <laughs> you know, who said, Pascal, you should, should let this one go, you know, like, don't, don't go for this one, you know. And there was a capacity, maybe because of wise attention, to actually hear, I think that's a good idea, let me follow this, you know. Or they would say, Pascal, I think you should actually stand up, stand up and say no, you know. And then maybe I could hear it and say, like, yeah, I was just about to shrink, you know, and dodge or whatever we do, you know, freeze, you know. And by these wise, wise words, suddenly I'm like giving some power. Yeah, right, I'm going to speak. You know. And so the wise voice of another, and it speaks also, this is, when I say this, this, this is going to make me shaky because it speaks, it does, I am. It speaks to the power of words. Words can break. They can also liberate. 
Words are extremely powerful, as we all know. It's just good to name it again, maybe. So why does it make me shaky? It's because I'm the only one talking here. <laughs> you know, and it's a powerful thing. It's a, yeah. And so these two causes for the arising of uh, wisdom, wise attention, and this is what we're soaking in here. This is what we're cultivating. This is hours of putting wise attention. This is not insignificant. This is extremely powerful, what we're doing here. It might not always seem, while visited by doubt or overwhelmed, you know, it might not seem that powerful. It might seem quite the opposite, pointless, you know. And so maybe part of the the job of the voices coming at night is to remind us how powerful it is, how uh, go as far as saying noble this work is, you know. So it's good also for staff to hear this, that they are supporting this. And so, this wise attention is very intriguing for me. I've been practicing for almost a couple of decades now, and it's the most fascinating thing. How to be attentive, to be attentive to what? Because we're always attentive, we're told. We're always giving our attention to something. And some ways that we give attention, some ways that we're attentive, some things we're attentive to, actually are entangling, that's the word I use. They create stress and trouble for me and for others. And some ways that I'm attentive, some things I could be attentive to, can be liberating. And here, the journey we're on together is just clarifying this. What is worthy of my attention? How can I use this attention that is always there to become an ally, a friend, for me and for others, for the world I'll be contributing to later. Yeah? And so sit me here for uh, you know, what we do, 40, 45 minutes. I can, I can be attentive to me and what could have happened to me and who I could be and who I could have been and who I should be and who the other should be. And, you know, and is this going to be actually very liberating? I'm personally finding out that no. It's not that liberating. There's another way to put attention, and it can be surprising. I like to joke about this, but I was very the first time I practiced meditation, somebody told me in the little monastery, they say, now I'm going to show you wise attention. Put your attention on your nose. And I was like, oh, oh, is that what's going to liberate me? And they said, yes, this is what's going to liberate you. Put your attention on your nose. (laughs) And being like willing and adventurous and naive, I was like, okay, I'll put my attention on my nose. (laughs) And in that, this place where I was, we were doing Anapanasati, this attention to the breath, and specifically in that monastery at the nose, you know. And so in this way, I learned to calm the mind, to gather the mind, to unify the mind, to stay And I learned about, oh, a mind that is scattered is hard to be with. Although I I would have thought that it was a delightful, like, to do, 
delightful thing to do, you know, like I can be here and think about this and think about the past and the future and I was so bad then and I'll be worse in the future and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like this. And then they say like, let, let go of all this for a moment and just feel this or feel this or just, you can expand like we do here on the retreat. Just listen to sound when sound come in the foreground. Just pay attention to this. Just feel the body sitting, walking, stepping. It's, it's strange. It's so basic. We're like, why would I be there while I step? You know, there's so many things, so many problems to solve. No. Let me help you to go from unwise attention to wise attention. Step, step, be there and see where it's going to lead you. How you, it's, you cannot imagine this by yourself. It took somebody 2,000 and 600 years ago was totally desperate and didn't find a teacher to find such a thing, you know, that actually being there could open the heart, open the mind, help you make choices. I can't believe this, that things I can debate for hours, shall I, shall I not, shall I, shall I not? I can just sit for a moment, calm down, feel the body, feel the heart, and suddenly there's, of course I'm going to speak. Of course I'm going to go in that direction. You know, in the silence, suddenly I gain access to maybe something else, intuition, connection, some, something else that is for all of us. It's not like just for a few of us. This, this is part of our nature. And we just learn to go back to this. And so we're learning to take care of this heart, mind, complex psyche, step by step, breath by breath, moment by moment, uh, in this way. And in the wake of this, develops amazing quality, more and more calm, more and more stability, more and more sensitivity. These two, you really want them to be developed at the same time, sensitivity and stability. That's what we're doing here. We learn to have a balanced heart, a capacity to feel the difficult, to feel the beautiful, really feel it, the neutral, and stay stable, not shut down, not indifferent, not lost in, caught in, just somewhere in the middle path. Oh, that sounds familiar. It, right in the middle where we are intimate, with things, but not caught in them, not removed, deny, denying. Yeah? So we, this is what we're developing here slowly by paying attention to this moment, whatever it's made of. We're developing courage, patience, benevolence, compassion. Oh my God, being with this aching heart, this confused mind, this thing that is not happening as I want, you know, outside or inside. The capacity to be with this and say, oh, not easy to be with this, not easy to be with this. Oh, my love, wow, this is hard for you right now. This is the difficult part of the day. Ooh, not easy being Pascal, not easy being Greg, not easy being whoever you are, you know. So the compassion, these qualities, very, very powerful qualities, powers, we could say. Curiosity, we've named it a lot. Suddenly, something I would usually push away, resent, want to destroy. Let me turn towards that. Feel it. Get to know it. 
get acquainted with it a little bit, see it fluctuate, dissipate, intensify. Yeah. So these are the qualities we're developing. Um, was it yesterday? No, the day before. Eugene was talking about uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi with uh, great reverence, saying you were saying this uh, monk has been uh, a monastic for years and decades and decades. Great wisdom, scholarly translator of the book that I can't even read. This so thick, <laughs> you know. And uh, w- something that I was really touching for me is one day I was surfing on the internet, Buddhist surfing. <laughs> so I end up on a Dharma talk from uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi, and his talk was about, I think it was called something like ascent, the spiritual ascent and descent. And he was talking about how we do what we do to free the mind, free the heart. There's a kind of a, you know, that's a kind of a archetypes symbol of a spiritual elevation, you know, like we become more purified and <coughs> maybe levitating. That's maybe why it's built like this here. There's <laughs> an ast- possible ascent, you know. And he was saying, yes, 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 the ascent, the ascent, really good, and the descent, bringing all these qualities back in the marketplace, in the world, in the neighborhood, in the other's na- n- uh, neighborhood, you know, so this movement, and I was like, ah, that was the half missing for me, you know, this, so yes, we do this, and then we bring it back in the world, and so this comes back to what I was saying at the beginning, learning to take care of this aching heart and this complex heart in order to learn how to take care in the same way of this aching world. So I loved when Bhikkhu Bodhi was doing this and then starting the Buddhist relief, global relief uh, organization, you know, saying like, we need to feed people, people have to, uh, you know, and we need, they need to have access to education. And I was like, oh, that's so good that, you know, it's not just like this. And since then, I've heard other people say that also, and you have also, but I like this, I like to come back to this. Um, you know, there was Christopher Titmus the other day, I was reading something on the internet, and he was saying, you know this thing about we're all one, and let's get rid of the seeker, and all like the kind of like very Western, uh, big tendency around this right now, you know, like uh, uh, some kind of non-dual, you know, he was like, this is, this is, you think this is really elevated, like really deep stuff, this is actually the kindergarten of practice. Because after, you need to bring this and make this become social justice. You, want to, you need to bring this in your family life, bring this in your neighborhood, bring this, bring this all over the place where norms are oppressing, where uh, privilege is. You have to bring this all there. This is not kindergarten, you know? And so this is also what we're doing here. Uh, this is the receptive part, the contemplative part, to gain power, the power to speak up, the power to stand up, the power to assist, the power to come together, you know, things like this. Um, it's uh, 2014 ending. With 2014 ending, there's also the ending of a certain celebration 
50 years uh, celebration is ending tonight, the 50 year celebration of uh, Mississippi uh, Freedom uh, Summer. Yeah. And so this is something um, that's been touching for me to learn about this. I'm not from this country. This is not my culture, but I spend a lot of time here. So it's my very much my duty to learn about uh, the history of this country, you know. And uh, just lately, I've been uh, deeply touched and I uh, deeply touched by a few people. I have a, my personal altar of uh, models, you know, people that I actually revere that are inspiration for me S- on San Suu Kyi, on San Suu Kyi, however you say it. Uh, freedom fighter in Burma, you know. Uh, Joanna Macy, just here in the ne- in the next neighborhood, you know, amazing uh, being, and uh, and just in the last, just recently, I've been adding on my altar uh, uh, two new beings that I didn't know about. I I don't even know. I I don't even know if you n- all know about them. M- maybe you do. I'm I'm actually going to discover now as I'm asking. I don't know if you know uh, Fanny Lou Hammer, yeah? And I don't know if you know Bob Moses or Robert Moses, yeah? And they got me in the guts. They, so, and I put them on my altar with, uh, on San Suki and and Joanna Macy and uh, Reverend Cecil Williams also in town at the Glide Memorial. And I'm not that interested in Buddhism. I'm interested in wisdom. I'm interested in uh, clarity. I'm interested in non-harming, in, uh, in promoting well-being for everyone. And so when I was uh, just... Uh, learning about the cu- what seems, that's what I'm getting, kind of a hit of a, a very quiet and clear seeing Robert Moses doing his work. It seemed almost like alone at the beginning in Mississippi, having great clarity about what was right and what was not right, you know? And like going from door to door, inviting uh, African-Americans to go vote to the risk of his life and their life, you know? And with, uh, that's what I get from reading about him and seeing documentaries is an amazing calm and clarity, like powerhouse. Why am I talking about this here? Well, because it is the end of the year, the end of that celebration, but because these are qualities that this practice is supposed to foster, cultivate, clarity of mind, clarity of stand, a stand, the capacity to stand in our own truth. This is what we do here. We gain independence. We look and see for our, with wise attention, we get to see for ourselves what is what. We don't have to follow conditioning and norms. We can check out for ourselves and gain an amazing access to our own integrity and values. And that's the sense that I was g- I'm getting from this being and from uh, Fanny Lou Hammer, this voice, like I heard her give this speech 
at the Democratic uh, Convention in uh, Atlanta in 64. I mean, I'm just a beginning. I'm learning about, about how even your politics works. But there's this woman who, 20th of a, of a family of how much? How many? 20? 20 <laughs> the youngest of a family of 20 in the... Is that what you call the Deep South, Mississippi? Yeah. At 13 years old, uh, gathering every day 200 to 300 pounds of cotton uh, in the Mississippi that was so... It's just impossible to imagine how oppressive it was. Here she is, most charismatic person at the convention in Atlanta. You know, she speaks up and you cannot not listen to her. She actually seems to convince, be convincing everybody. And so some are with her and the other half are totally scared of her. The president at that time, was he called Johnson? I don't know. I've never heard of him before the <laughs> learning about this <laughs> because of her. So scared of her that he actually uh, did a press conference when she was giving her speech so she would not be on TV. Like he would kind of like overstage her. And he took, he took the, conf the press conference to actually say that there was um, somebody, I, I can't remember, we, poor soul, who had died nine months before. And it was nine months that they had died. Like, There was nothing he had to, like, it was not very juicy, you know. <laughs> Just to take the cameras away from her because they knew she was a powerhouse. A powerhouse of what? Of wisdom, of clarity. There was no stopping this being because she could see clearly what was going on through the veil of the messages so strong. Like, you better believe us, otherwise we're going to kill you, you know. And her clarity of mind was like, no, this is not the truth. This is not okay. This is what we're doing here. We're clarifying for ourselves what is okay, what is not. In our own personal heart, we're clarifying the system so that it can come in. In our own ways, we're not all going to you know, be uh, Bob Moses or, or Fannie Lou uh, uh, Fanny Lou Hammer. But we can all become these archetypes. And I say this with uh, confidence because I see this. I see this in this place, in this location, on and on and on. I sit in the interview rooms and after a few days, people who come in are becoming, they are who they are, they are their personalities, but they also are becoming archetypes of equilibrium, archetypes of calm, archetypes of honesty, of uh, courage, archetypes, they're bigger than it. Like, so I've, I'll see somebody, I'm like, oh, it's the same person who was here a few days ago, but now they're, they're the same person, but also there's something else, you know? And this is the power of this practice here. Maybe I could read a little quote from uh, Stephen Batchelor, just something I ran into a couple of days ago. The prospect 
of solitary self diligently practicing Buddhism in the, in the privacy of its own mind and body in the hope of gaining enlightenment seems doomed, seems, hold on. If you quote Pascal, quote well. <laughs> Otherwise it's called paraphrasing or something. So the prospect of a solitary self diligently practicing Buddhism in the privacy of its own mind and body in the hope of gaining enlightenment seems not merely doomed, but comic. So instead of seeing practice as performed by an individual, why not regard it as performed by communities? Here's a novel idea. Instead of seeing it as a private religious or psychotherapeutic process that offers solace in this life, why not regard it as a cultural process of liberation? I like that movement of like, oh, it's so hard to be stuck in this little psyche with me, me, and about me. Let's open it up, do this together. Did this together for us, and the us is wider than the hundred people here. The us I have in mind is wide. Is in, it includes actually those who are not here, those who don't, can't come here, don't have the time, don't have the privilege of time, the privilege of finances, the privilege of uh, feeling welcomed. You know, can we bring this there? Bring our attention that wide. You know, our practice that wide. Can we do that? And so that's kind of one way certainly to present the practice tonight by saying learning to take care of this aching heart and complex mind, heart and psyche. Let's learn to take care of this world and its inhabitants, no one ex excluded, those here now. And let's be really bold here, get out of our kind of time frame that is a, what the time frame that the corporate world like us to have, uh, 80 years of being somebody who buys stuff, you know. Let's have a time frame, so let's include the other generations, those to come further and further several generations down. So you can hear me, I'm borrowing from other traditions saying this, you know. Uh, so how can our practice be that big, you know, without being heavy? That's, that's a challenge. Um, yeah, so no one excluded. That's going to require of us, you will agree, an attention that will need to be refined. It will need to lose the obsession and fascination with self. You know? And that's not an easy thing to do. So maybe in the last uh, few minutes, we could try... Just a little uh, reflection. Uh, and bring back the personal very much, because we don't want to... In my, in my speaking, I would like it to be 
totally welcomed also like it's an it's very inclusive it includes the personal it includes the <laughs> relational the communal the global yeah um so if you want you could close your eyes and it's kind of a reflection we could do around the end of the year and just maybe revisit the year a little bit if you feel uh, inclined to do this just if you want So let's set a very clear intention to do this reflection with a heart that has a calm to it and stability to it. How can we reflect on the year past with uh, some kind of softness, fluidity, a pliable mind, a non-reactive mind? Although emotions might come, some joy or sorrow, to have in the forefront or as a big value being grounded, being calm, allowing. And so you might see in the year that has passed things that has, have happened to you, outstanding things that have happened to you, things that were precious, made you happy. Things also that have been uh, painful, maybe, disturbing, challenging. Allow these images to come here now and still feel the body sitting and breathing. You might think of where you were at this time last year, at this hour. What was going on for you then? What you wished for and what followed during the year? Thinking of what happened in your relationships, in the family, at any time during the last winter, spring, summer or fall that just ended. Maybe memories related to uh, the workplace, or the study place, if that's part of your world. Memories of what happened in your community, whatever you define your community or communities to be. What were the difficult things happening in your communities? And what were the beautiful initiatives, things that happened in your country? What 
was left out, not well taken care of this year by you or in your communities or country or globally. What would be deserving of careful attention? (coughs) What are the beautiful qualities that you are able to express this year? Patience or courage or acceptance? How are you a good friend to yourself and others? Think of this. Allow yourself to see how you were a good friend. Are there any things you would like to maybe try to forgive yourself for? some ways that you might have harmed yourself or others that you can acknowledge now with stability of mind, with calm. And think, if you want, for the coming year, of some quality, some energy, some attitude, some something very for you. You decide it's yours, only yours. Something you would like to call forth, invite, cultivate. Some quality of mind, some ways to be that would be for your benefit and for the benefit of everyone. And there might be also something you would like to let go of, not useful anymore, a way to be something in you that you can renounce now, you can let go. And if you want, just take a moment to feel the reality here of this body sitting and breathing. Feel the temperature. Let the sounds be heard.
May the practice that we do this week together as a community and our communal waking up be for the service of all living beings, for the service of this big green-blue planet that we are so much part of. Thank you very much for your uh, very kind attention and uh, so in 15 minutes we're going to come back here for uh, some sitting and please tonight take good care of yourself, you know, if it means that you disappear and go in your own little world in your bed around 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock or midnight or 1 o'clock do what what will support your well-being your ease of mind and the opening of your heart okay thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and dharma seed please visit dharmaseed.org/donate